Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness, and we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. Hi, y'all. This is Reverend Anna Galladay, and we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for us to get our hands dirty. We're ready. Are you? Well, good morning, Pastor. Well, good morning, Dr. Robin. How are you? We made it to another Monday. We did. It's so nice to see your yes, face. I like this, how we're able to see each other. Our our former, when we were just novices doing this, we just didn't know. <laughs> we were, <laughs> we didn't. But here we are. I still, I still feel like we're just infants in this yeah. work. <laughs> I'm. I still am. am a little. Uh, a little astounded that we are. Uh, today we are recording season two, episode seventeen. Yeah, which puts us at like almost seventy episodes that we've recorded of the Activist Theology podcast. It just is mind-boggling yes. to me. And we've had some really great guests on. We've just finished a, a pretty lengthy series around um, standing in solidarity with our Asian siblings. And and we noticed a a trend that the longer we um, talked about these issues related to our Asian American and AAPI siblings, the less listeners we had. And I just want to sort of name the obvious that when we don't invest in the stories of others, mm-hmm. it, that is one surefire way to perpetuate the systemic bullshit. And, you know, for those of you who got bored with a long series, I want to invite you back to listen to the ones that you skipped over because, you know, we're really learning a lot about the fact that we belong to each other. And the reason why so much violence exists in the world is that we have forgotten that we belong with and to each other. Yes. And we have forgotten that the people in our lives who are not white bodied are not a monolith. Mm-hmm. There is, there is, um, there are some similarities, but there's such a beautiful kind of cross section of culture and, 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 you know, content and, and, and community that we are finding. And that, that has been just a really beautiful thing for me to see as we've done this series with um, our Asian American friends. I mean, we, there, there has not been a single episode that has been like another. Right. And uh, they may all, feel series oriented, but there's been such Mm -hmm. rich, diverse conversation. And so I'm with you. I would encourage folks to go back and listen and, and engage. Um, So good. I am suffering today with some allergies. I feel like I am talking Mm. through my nose because things are blooming here in Tennessee. And I am, I am someone that takes a weekly allergy shot and a daily allergy pill, and I still have allergies. I just don't know what it is that the Lord God did mm-hmm. when she stitched me in my mama's womb. But there is <laughs> there is something about my head yeah. and my sinuses that just can't handle this season. And uh, so no matter what I do, I'm still a little sniffly. And so I'll apologize in advance if I sound like I'm talking through my nose. And Now, do you administer your weekly allergy shot? I do. Oh, wow. So we both take injections every week. Yeah, What day is do. injection on? My injection is on Mondays. Okay. My my yeah. injection is on Sundays. Yes. It's like a ritual for me. Yeah, mine is mine is not, I will say. Mine is really kind of on my calendar and I do it at the same time that I take my morning 
uh, my morning pills, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds or which I like to term my, I am not going to kill anyone today medicine. Uh, (laughs) And, um, but, but yeah, I have, uh, I've been taking allergy shots for a while and uh, it, it is, it, I, I would not term it as a ritual for me, um, but I love that yours really, you really, you really are intentional about mm-hmm. um, how you, how you carve out time to sit and think on and kind of, you know, sit with who you are and who you are becoming yeah, when, you, when you take your shot. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're already to the end of April. It's it's insane. My my auto away <laughs> message is already on. I know. I got a response this morning. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, this human this human isn't going on sabbatical for another week, and they already telling me that they aren't going to respond to me now." So I, I get it, but so I was like, I, "You got to prepare they, people." They they wasted no time. You you got to prepare people because people you know. People, it's just business as usual, you know. Yes. And yeah. I know that we might talk about that on a on a later podcast, but you gotta you gotta build the runway for people, right? Let them know that you're going to be away, that your uh, your response time is going to be delayed, and then they can either choose to flood you with requests before you leave, or just bitch about you while you're gone. Right. Right. <laughs> But my my point, both. My, my point in saying that it was late April was not to talk about my auto away message, though it is live. Um, but to <laughs> say that last week was a very big week in in the movement world and in the political world. It was. It was. We uh, watched in real time as for once. Uh, our justice system, our court system is a better way to say it. Our court system in Minneapolis uh, handed down a verdict that convicted a murderer, a murderer of a black man and convicted someone who, uh, you know, used to be in law enforcement, mm-hmm. which are, I mean, the, the that combination of statement has, not been said mm-hmm. in years or in instances where the kind of movement that we that we have been uh, asking for actually right. occurred. Now there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, what will what will Derek Chauvin's sentence be? Will his sentence, you know, um, be similar? or harsher than the sentences of other mur- other folks who murder people mm-hmm. um will his whiteness allow him to uh skirt some of the punishment that is is required um but yeah we we have really we we did see something um remarkable last week in that it is such a rare occurrence mm-hmm. it was like it was like you know knowing that a knowing that the eclipse is coming and, you know, once every, once every, you know, however many years we actually get to watch an occurrence like that happen. Yeah. You know, and it it occurred to me that, um, I mean, around the same time as the verdict, we also um, heard president Biden talk about, there are a few bad apples or there are some good apples. And I want to take issue with that framework because we, we really are dealing with a morally bankrupt system when it comes to law enforcement. And, and we can even extend that to the ways in which there are some politicians who undermine the government's attempt, Biden's attempt again, to address systemic racism. So it's very interesting that on the one hand, Biden can say, no, it's not all bad. And then several days later, introduce policy and and bills 
to address systemic racism. And I, I found that very interesting that, that there is always, um, there's always an invitation to hold paradox in, in these situations because, you know, as I was watching the verdict, I was watching Derek Chauvin the whole time and his eyes were wild and whatnot, you know, sort of scanning the room. And it's very interesting to just bear witness to this one moment, which had it not been for a young I think black female recording the whole incident. I don't know that we would have gotten this verdict. Exactly. Um, so I, I just want to sort of talk about the Derek Chauvin situation, how it's one drop in a very large sea of our search for justice. Um, the system is morally bankrupt. Systemic racism does exist. And yet you have politicians who are undermining the fight against systemic racism in particular. Yeah, I think that I have been I have been heartened to watch a a, an upswell of support for the outcome of the trial Um. I have been cautious to speak of the outcome in terms of uh, justice being served, because as you, you know, rightly said on the day that the verdict came through, justice is that George Floyd would not have died in the first place. Right. Um, we watched accountability. Right. We watched the result of actions being punitively, um, you know, reprimanded, and 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 that the outcome of his actions are being, you know, being rightly identified, and and he is being punished for those actions. But right. understanding justice is is really a it's such a a it's a term that we use so frequently yet understand so little right you know in order for us to really look at justice as a concept we've got to understand that there are nuances around how justice is doled out um how it is how how the system either protects or um, lays it bare in instances right. we have to we have to recognize that uh, justice as a concept was set up in this country to very intentionally minimize and 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 set apart those who were deemed criminal mm -hmm. from others. Um, and, you know, we have established this bizarre, you know, scale system of, of we, you know, we, we envision, you know, a woman holding the scales of justice as if there ever is truly the capacity to balance those scales within mm -hmm. the system that we have right now. Um, if, if we really were to think of an icon that 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 illustrated justice the closest we could get to the one we have is the scale being absolutely tilted in one direction mm -hmm. and sitting on the floor full of systemic uh policy that that has gotten us where we are and the other side being up by this woman's face empty and null and void of right. any kind of of uh repercussion and so you know we really we have just such a bizarre uh understanding of justice in this country and i'm i think that this kind of case and this kind of outcome illustrates really how far off we are from 
from understanding what justice really is and and what it could be in this context. I mean, heck, even even our scripture mm-hmm. is laden with justice references, mm-hmm. and we are quick to say things like we you know we have a just God. Mm-hmm. Um, we have you know we 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 follow a God that that is that is um, believes that justice is. Uh, is required, and yet we still don't even know what that means, and and how we manifest that in our in our world in our community as humans. And I I am I'm still struck by that, and I I am curious to see uh, how we continue this conversation both once a v- sentence is handed down, and as we look for accountability. Mm-hmm in all of these other cases that still have yet to be tried and and punished. Well, I, I think that we should create an image and well you by by we I mean you. You should create an image. Um, <laughs> um at, with you know like a visual of the scales really are um not equal and you should list things like racism, classism, ableism, etc, you know, like stack them, you know, it would be a really powerful image, I think, but I digress. Um, you know, I, I feel like there, there, there's a lot happening. Um, and the Derek Chauvin trial is just like one of my many things. And the other thing I wanted to say about, uh, the murder trial of Derek Chauvin, um, well, the murder trial of George Floyd perpetuated by Derek Chauvin is that Nancy Pelosi, you know, I really love her. But sometimes she says things that she shouldn't be saying. And, you know, she sometimes th- this is what I don't understand about white people. Sometimes they just can be foolish. And, you know, as it's all over the web, Nancy Pelosi essentially um, made George Floyd into a martyr. Yes, when she said. She said his. She said he he should he should be alive today, but he did not die in vain. See, like I just, literally hear crickets chirping in the background. Yeah, it's just foolish. Like, why would you say something like that? You're a grandmother. It's ridiculous. It is um, this this forced martyrdom of black humans that that we continue to perpetuate as if we think that their death is something that will write the the system right. that will write the world is is just it's it's stunning to me and and I am I am I I am not shocked that Nancy Pelosi was as frivolous as she was with her words on the day that the that the verdict came down i am also not surprised that she was you know brutally responded to on twitter Mm -hmm. after that statement was made and really called on the carpet about how how inappropriate her language was um and and I appreciate the work that she is putting in to enact the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is a very small but necessary start to having domestic policy reflect the kind of fix that we need in our policing system today, right? I mean, she is both problematic and... Yeah. No. A, a a a piece in the a piece in the, the the process of of helping to to reach um a, a more just system you know the thing that i don't understand is it, it feels a bit of a conundrum to me but there are so many quote-unquote progressives that are running and getting involved in politics many of whom are people of color many of whom are black people and it always concerns me that we expect quote unquote progressives, which I don't really like that language. Maybe one time we'll do a, an episode on language, <laughs> but 
um, you know, there's this expectation that if we want anything to change, then it's going to have to be, quote unquote, the other, right? Quote unquote, the progressive to make change. And I feel really curious about what are white bodied folks doing to expand their capacity for what I call embodied awareness? What are white folks doing to cultivate that capacity? Because I feel like this entire, our entire history has been dependent on the marginalized and the oppressed to make change. And so when actually will we begin to steward community to make the kind of change instead of just dependent on quote unquote, the other, the progressive, the black person, the LGBT person. I'm really curious about that because if we continue to depend on people to run for office, then we are keeping antiquated hierarchies in place that actually are not stewarding life-affirming systems. Yeah, we've, we have built this uh, untenable expectation around our public officials, um, our, our, our servants in leadership, that they will listen conscientiously to their constituents and actually make decisions based on what their constituency wants. We have been shown time and time and time and time again that that is not going to happen. I mean, right. heck, we've got, you know, I mean, we're going to, we, we might talk about the infrastructure plan in a, in a few minutes, but, you know, we have, we have workers, union workers in West Virginia begging mansion to, work with this infrastructure plan that Biden has put forth, begging him to allow the kind of increase in uh, jobs, increase in labor force, increase in infrastructure plan that is needed in West Virginia. And he continues as a Democrat to hold out and to, um, kind of dig his heels in over what he thinks is right and what he thinks is necessary. I mean, there comes a point where we have to recognize that once folks get into office, once folks actually move their way into these spaces, it doesn't it, it doesn't mean shit what their constituents say. Right. Only are they praised if they are in a region or in a district um, or in a state where their constituents actually are a high enough percentage to already be in agreement with them. Right. Are these people lifted up as being as doing well in their job? Right. But I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a false it's a false equivalency because yeah. they already are part of a state or a district where the people are going to support them based on their policy decisions. Mm -hmm. When you have state senators and, and, and we are in the, we are in the middle of, you know, two state senators who are, are just disasters. Mm -hmm. I mean, Marsha Blackburn is one of the most ill-equipped humans to be doing the job that she was elected to do. And she is getting, real-time feedback from the state of Tennessee on what kind of policy and what kind of vote we want her to take in the Senate. And she is disregarding all of it right. for her own personal ethics. It All that does is it reifies our need as humans to be involved in the in the street work, in the, you know, standing in the Capitol, being being part of a system that actually demands that, that things change, knowing that it's not going to be the politicians that, that allow it to change, mm -hmm. but knowing that it has to be us. Mm -hmm. It has to be those of us who are willing to put our put ourselves in a space where our voices cannot help but be heard. Um, because it's sure, I mean, Sure, shit, these politicians aren't going to do it for us. Well, and, you know, we we never want to have a discussion about power and actually do a power analysis. Oh, 
Hell no. The the fact that people are crying out in West Virginia and Mansion just I mean, this is about power. This is about Mansion doesn't because he doesn't think that his constituents need X, Y, and Z. Right. He doesn't have a, a responsibility then to listen to them in his in his mind. Right. When 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 actually I mean, we can just pivot into this infrastructure bill. Um, I remember that our mutual friend Shannon telling us that Comcast can say they provide service in whatever the square mileage is if one person has the means, that is the all-American dollar, to afford it. Correct. Correct. So you have rural areas who are without broadband internet um, and, 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 and states and locales that have no intention of running broadband internet to those areas. Um, but our statistics are skewed because someone sets up or pays for a line or a fiber to be run to their home, an exorbitant amount of money, um, that locale can say, "Oh, we're we're not we're not without broadband internet." Right. That that area that area has it. Well, it's it could be one house out of hundreds and hundreds of homes. Right. And the statistics are skewed because of that. Um, just the, the we have done we have seen in real time during this pandemic what a lack of broadband has done to the youth in our country mm-hmm. we have children who are unable to keep up with their school lessons unable to be in touch with their instructors unable to do the research that's needed for their projects because they don't have access to high speed internet right. wherever they live now, are there are there churches and and libraries and all kinds of entities that are stepping up to allow these students to come and use those spaces? Absolutely. But what does that require? It requires us to get out of our own way about thinking that privilege doesn't affect transportation. Right. That it doesn't affect those the parents' capacity to accompany those children to wherever it is that they need to work. Right. I mean, it, it, it's it's just this layered issue that that I mean, no one no one can grasp how how nuanced and and overwhelming these kinds of conversations can be, and yet we've seen it happen in real time, and we have all of these people in the country who think that an infrastructure bill is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And or or think that an infrastructure bill that the infrastructure bill that Biden has proposed at two point three trillion dollars is more than is necessary. Right. Right. Um, maybe it is, but we cannot. We either need to be people who encourage slash force our politicians to engage in nonpartisan conversation with one another and stop being sticks in the mud and adamant about not conversing and not negotiating. Or we need to agree that we are simply not going to get things done until we find a way to, 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 I mean, name, name DC. I mean, you know, now that they're trying to add DC as a state, right? it's necessary but it also comes with it's fraught with political conversation because the Republicans, regardless of whether they want DC to get statehood so that they are actually represented with their taxes, mm-hmm. they are against it because they know that adding a senator to the Senate will secure without question for the next two years a democratic the, the democratic capacity to right. to pass legislation. Right. It's I mean it's well, and it, you know what, what's interesting is we think that these that this two party system is actually working. <laughs> yeah, it's and, ridiculous. And and I'm just like I'm just like it's not working, and neither party is a win for me. Correct. Um, and 
Yeah, I just, I just get more frustrated than anything. I mean, I mean, here in Tennessee, we've got a lot happening. <laughs> we don't even have time. I, I mean, it. like, I I laugh because if I don't laugh, I I'm so overwhelmed and anxiety filled that I just I break down. Well, we've got the anti-trans bills that are that are yes just passing underneath our you know right um nose. We've got these gun bills that are passing. I mean, the fact that we are a country where vi- gun violence is up. It's epidemic. It's epidemic. It's epidemic. We have a general assembly that just approved our idiot governor's legislation to allow almost all adults to carry handguns without permits. I mean, we're 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 saying that you that you don't have to have any qualifications to to carry a gun in the state of Tennessee. I mean this this constitutional carry bill is which is what they're calling it which cracks me up that they're trying to use the you know the constitution and right. the second amendment as the means by which they justify this was completely um negated and 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 asked to to not happen by law enforcement in in the state. I mean even our law enforcement which is corrupt beyond measure and right with supremacy culture begged our general assembly to not take this action because they know that it's going to increase gun crimes and it's going to allow folks that shouldn't have guns on the street to have guns on the street. And they, and they aren't even listening to law enforcement in this, in this case. Um, They aren't even cognizant of any, additional, you know, police officer vulnerability that might right. come with this um, and, and just bulldoze their way through it because they, because of the massive amount of money that groups like the NRA are promising to, um, to the state based on this decision. I mean, it, it's, it's stunning and it's sickening. And quite frankly, it scares the shit out of me. And if it scares the shit out of me as a white woman with radical privilege in this state, I cannot even imagine the feeling in the bones of black people and brown people and trans people and people who are are have an increased um, possibility of being harmed mm-hmm. in this state already. Mm-hmm. I simply can't. I can't even grasp it. Yeah, I mean, this is what it's come to. That it's come to bills that are trying to use the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, which is actually intended for military action, not for right. individual constituents um i mean we we have gotten to a very scary place and it just continues to get scary yes. and i mean every monday morning our friend gert comfrey posts how we can get how we can be very local about our work and i share the post every monday morning and and i'm like well if we can just do like if we can just do these square inches, maybe there will be some change. But when you've got these overwhelming bills that carry the possibility of violence, systemic violence, right? You all—it almost feels like it cancels each other out, right? Yeah, there. I mean, there are definitely instances right now happening in Tennessee that that make me feel helpless that 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 you know that just i mean i i feel as if i'm watching um i'm watching the violence happen before my eyes violence that starts within our state house and extends into our our communities i'm watching it happen in real time and i am powerless Mm -hmm. against it 
And, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of harm. And that's the kind of worry that should be asking all of us to reevaluate who we are in, in this work and how we can change who we are in this work. This is where community and, 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 a, and a gathering of like minds and a movement towards solidarity must overtake the powerlessness that, that is felt by us. Yeah. And yet I am, I am unsure that we as a people even have a vision of what that could look like. And our lack of vision around that is paralyzing us mm-hmm. into inaction. That's true. That's true. You know what they say? A people without a vision will perish. That's the Bible. Exactly. It is the Bible. <laughs> I'm reading the Bible these days. I, I know you are. Y'all better and, watch you know, out. I might start quoting scripture. You might. So we have gun bills. We have uh, trans harm bills. We have infrastructure bills that are that may or may not happen. Um, We have a system of police that is continuing to be problematic. Um, And in the midst of that, there are a handful of things that have happened that might give people hope and yet still could be worrisome. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, we, we talk a lot I mean, you and I talk a lot and we talk a lot in our communities about trans rights. Um, it's obviously something that um, is personal to you. It's important to me because it's personal to you. Um, the Pentagon announced on Transgender Day of Visibility new policies around allowing trans folks to serve in the military. Um, more or less, they undid the work of the Trump era and those four years and, and moved back to the Obama um, policies around permitting transgender individuals to openly serve and, um, you know, that, that there's a, an affirmation that it strengthens <clears throat> a diversity if, if transgender members are, are allowed to, to be a part of the, of the military industrial complex. And, and those things are important from a rights-based standpoint. Mm -hmm. And we celebrate that we have humans at the top of these um, organizations that, affirm the the worth of people to serve and yet we are we continue to put people in harm's way simply because we have the need for a military in the first place mm-hmm. yeah i mean i the military has historically disposed of marginalized people had um black and brown people on the front lines in in gun warfare um, so that they were the first to to die while white-bodied men were protected. So, I, you know, I'm under no illusion that this trans bill, the affirming of trans people in the military is a good thing. Um, uh, people should have civil rights. People should have human rights. People should be able to do what they want, do what they wish to do, um, given that they're not accelerating harm. But unfortunately, the system of the military actually does steward a great amount of harm for marginalized people, and that includes trans people. So again, an invitation to hold paradox and nuance, which um, often doesn't happen in white supremacy culture. It's a very binary way of thinking. Um, I, I don't think that the military is good. I don't think that we should have a military, but... Because there is, I mean, I sometimes feel like we are living in the matrix um, because of the need for a military. But, you know, 
this sort of globalized reality that that we have um, that focuses on trade and power forces us to have four branches of of the military, and you know, unfortunately, I think things like this perpetuate the disposability of marginalized people, including trans people, and I can even go as far as say that just having trans people in the Biden administration and then affirming trans people in the military, look, I don't think it does anything. But but I am I'm on that Dean Spade train. Um if you if you didn't catch that episode, go back and listen to that episode. I, I just don't think that the inclusion of trans people into this system of supremacy culture actually stewards collective liberation. And right. so I want us to be very discerning about when we say everyone deserves civil rights, in what system are the rights being doled out? And is that right, right civil and humane? Right. Because the military is neither, in my opinion. Right. And 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 my dad served in in the military as did my grandfather and and so I come from a line of men who who were in the military but was never my jam and I was never going to join the military for lots of reasons. One, I'm a sloth. And <laughs> and two, and two, I believe too much in rest and siesta. So, um yeah, not not my jam, but I understand why people. You know, there's a lot of people embody a lot of patriotism, right? And they get very excited, and maybe we'll talk about patriotic racism um, one day. But um, a lot of people are really into the illusion of power that they get when they join the military. It's yeah. it's beyond me. Yeah, it it's it it is a bizarre um, correlation that we that we draw, and and I am with you in kind of sitting in this paradox. Is there a is there a piece of me that values um, that that we are providing visibility to humans that many people in this country feel as if they don't know or don't um, understand. Um, yes, I am. I am glad. I am. Uh, I, I am happy that or I, I am. I am resolved that we have uh, we have given people who uh, or, or, or we, we are we are we are showing the capacity of transhumans in ways that um, many people have never seen before mm-hmm. that that is that is there there's nothing bad about that right. um you know at the same time we have a transhuman in california that thinks that she should run for governor um you know even though she's one of the most problematic right. um elements of the community right right <laughs> i mean you know we're talking about Caitlyn Jenner in case you um haven't heard that that news piece of the story but yeah th- there's this paradox is really important for us to hold in all of these instances mm-hmm. um because opinion is just that um but there there are there are there are nuances around these conversations that just simply don't allow us to make things black and white. Right. And, and, and unless we recognize that that nuance is equally as much a part of our untangling of supremacy culture and recognizing that oftentimes when we break down one system, it allows harm to be caused in a greater way in another system. All of that stuff has to be held in, in community with one another. Um, I am, I'm a little heartened in that as we're speaking about trans rights and, and, and trans folk in, in the country, um, Manhattan just agreed that the district attorney in Manhattan announced that it will no longer prosecute sex workers in Manhattan 
They say that they have learned from those with lived experience and those that are doing the work on the ground that criminalizing prostitution doesn't make people safer. Mm -hmm. And too often it accelerates the further violence and marginalization of vulnerable people, many of which are trans women of color, Mm -hmm. um, those that are most likely to be engaged in sex work. And so the DA in Manhattan has announced that they are going to stop prosecuting sex workers. They are going to dismiss almost 6,000 prostitution-related open cases, some of which date back to the 1970s. Does that include expunging records? Um, Or are they just dismissing you know, I don't know. Because I don't know that. Because the, the real just thing would be to expunge the records yes. that, that, that date back to the 70s. You know, if you're just going to dismiss it, that means that means you still have a record. And so um, I'd like to see them expunge it. Maybe we can report back next week on if they expunge it. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, be, I would be curious to know that. Um, I also find that... You know, action like this um, is, it is again, kind of one drip in the big mm-hmm. pond of work that we need to see happen across the country. Um, sex work is a profession. It is a profession that has been a part of our country since its inception. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not to be uh, demonized, it is not to be... Um, held with um, contempt and and a, a distrust and a dishonor among those who choose to to participate in it as a as a valid um, means of of making money, and I I think that this this could prove to be a really important precedent that other cities other major cities could take. Uh, take hold of mm-hmm. and 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 do the same mm-hmm. it it will it will remarkably change the lives of those who use the sex trade to have autonomy and seek financial stability and um, are not interested in being a part of a traditional you know workplace situation but it, it, I, I'm just I'm heartened by the, the the fact that this has happened, and I'm heartened by the fact that we know that um, trans women of color specifically will benefit mm-hmm. from this kind of announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah the the work continues. We have a lot to do. We have a lot to to uh, navigate. We appreciate that you all let us kind of just vamp and rant on some of the things that we're seeing happen in the world in real time. I mean, it's no secret that this podcast is, um, we attempt to make it a direct response to things that are happening in the world, to the pressing social concerns of society. Um, We want it to be a space where you are able to learn about things that are happening in the world that you may have not heard about, but also um, ask you to critically engage in those things, whether it is in action as it relates to state or local politics, or simply as it relates to the way that your ethics unfold Mm -hmm. around your thinking. And I think that, you know, as we continue to enter into the late spring and the early summer part of the season, and as we see more action, actual action items come out of the administration, the the presidential administration, um, we'll continue to be having to have these conversations. Um, Things are not getting better, friends. Mm -hmm. Things are changing. Mm-hmm. But things are not getting better, mm-hmm. and um, it's going to be incumbent on all of us to figure out how we're doing this work in real time so that we are a part of the work of solidarity and not a hindrance to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it just we got to keep on keeping on. I mean, the the quote that just always sticks with me is until the until those who are black and brown matter, um, no one else will pay attention. Yes. So. Well, friends, we are glad you were with us on this episode. We will be back again next week, and we hope that you engage with us on socials. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear any challenges that you're um, up against as it relates to some of the issues that we've talked about today. Uh, and we continue, we'll continue to say what needs to be said and, and do this work on the airwaves as long as you all will let us. We're grateful for that. Follow us at Activist Theology on all the social channels and we'll rejoin you next week with um, more opinion and more snark <laughs> and more uh, hopefully what we what we hope to be critical analysis around what's happening in the world more bad assery more bad assery I'm up for that <laughs> all right friends until next week let's get free Are you looking to connect the dots between what you think and how you live? Are you looking for a more robust way to be in solidarity with the movement? Are you looking to get your hands dirty with the work of social justice? Join Dr. Robin and Reverend Anna Galladay each week as they share, reflect, and analyze on pressing social concerns. Want to help support this podcast? Go to Activist Theology dot kindful.com and click on podcast and remember activist and theology share a tea the music you hear in this episode is hands dirty by our friends delta ray our sound editor and engineer is dan medley from 10 south sounds <laughs>